Yo, man, it's a lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating, but scared to kick reality. Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? I'm expressing with my full capabilities. And now I'm living in correctional facilities. Cause some don't agree with how I do this. I get straight and meditate like a Buddhist. I'm dropping flavor, my behavior is Welcome to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. We want y'all to express yourself unless you Drew Brees talking about protesting against the flag. Then don't express yourself. But uh, we got an emergency pod, y'all. <laughs> you know, y'all demanded it. So here we are giving it. Rob, what it do out there? Yeah, I mean, go ahead and express yourself, but understand the gravity of the moment. The Take the temperature of the room. Know the tone of this environment and the situation before you express yourself. And you know what? Sometimes when people express themselves, they just show who they are. Yeah. Think think before you speak. So let's get into it because we got a lot to say and we ain't got a lot of time to say it. Uh, Drew Brees yesterday goes on Yahoo interview with Yahoo Finance uh, and talks Mm -hmm. about how he still feels that taking a knee, uh, uh, you know, protesting, even in a peaceful protest. Uh, during the national anthem is disrespectful to the flag. Uh, he will never accept that having both his grandfather serve in the military. Uh, after he said that in 2016, he, he also, you know, talked about how he was totally against taking a knee uh, when Colin Kaepernick started um, taking a knee in, in a peaceful protest with the 49ers four years ago, 2016. So, after he says that, it's just like a whirlwind. You name the celebrity, you name the the NBA, NFL player, uh, any politician. I mean, everybody just went in on our man Drew. So, uh, and, and look, I was right there with him. I I, I gotta agree with him. So, uh, Rob, what was your initial reaction? I mean, my initial reaction was like I immediately knew it was gonna go viral, and I was watching it just confused. Like, did he really just say that right now? Like, even if that were your opinion, you're a 42-year-old man and you thought that this was a good time to express that opinion. And I'm very much of the opinion, you know me, I'm, I'm very much like everybody's allowed to have their say and have their opinion. And I would even go as far to say oftentimes there's no right or wrong answer. Just, you know, say how you feel. But there was a wrong answer here. There was a very wrong answer. I saw a meme where somebody was like, yo, the interviewer threw a grenade in the room. And instead of running out of the room, Drew Brees just jumped on top of the grenade. <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I can't speak for someone, but I think that all that was required here was empathy. Like, and, and you did the exact opposite. The answer was so me, 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 me. The whole world, like, I even heard Mitch McConnell give a statement. Um, and Mitch McConnell kind of seemed like he was still not, um, I think he called it situational racism, something he used, but he acknowledged racism, right? Like a big step for a guy like that. And for Drew to be unable in this moment to even acknowledge, like, I get it. I get why they do it. I, I would never do it, but I understand that this means right. so much to them that they want People like me who think that this flag means so much to understand how much this issue means to them. And it just, to me, would require like empathy and intellect. And he didn't show either one in that moment. And so a lot of people said a lot of things, but I think disappointed was the the main word that I would use. Yeah, I I was um, disappointed, 
frustrated and and frankly embarrassed. Um, that, that too. That that he's the leader of our you know favorite team, favorite franchise, and 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 I mean, look, let's let's talk about it, right? We had a pie last week or earlier this week, I should say, and we talked a lot about you know George Floyd, um, Ahmad Aubrey. Um, Taylor, you know, a lot of these things that have happened, not to mention the Trayvon Martins, the, the Eric Gardner's, right. the Michael Brown, you know, just on and on and on, right? And and the, the severity of the issue, the importance of the issue, people protesting in the streets, um, people up in arms, you know, about what has happened. And so Drew Brees doesn't say anything for a week. Um, and this was a guy who was so outspoken against Cap, like I mentioned in 2016, doesn't say anything for a week. A week after the George Floyd incident, his first comments are him doubling down on what he said when Cap first took a knee. And to me, it's just totally tone deaf. And I, I you know, go on a lot of message boards, sports message boards, LSU football message boards, and people are like defending him. Well, that's that's <clears throat> Drew's opinion. You know, he can have his own opinion. Yeah, he can have an opinion. It could be wrong and it can be tone deaf. Right. And I think the thing that acknowledge is that in that in that interview that he had with Yahoo Finance, not only does he double down on the disrespect for the flag and, and talks about his grandfather serving in the military, but in that you know interview, he never once mentions the police brutality against blacks. And you can feel some way about the flag, and, and you may not disagree, you may disagree with somebody kneeling, but you like you mentioned, you could acknowledge that you understand why. And, and acknowledge that they may have a different experience, a different um, attitude, a different history toward that flag and, and, to, and toward, you know, their respect for the flag. And, and, and to me, kneeling is not disrespect. But but to mention his grandfather served in the military, there's many people who have black grandfathers who served in the military who were put on the front lines and still segregated, uh, drafted against their will. You know, so it's a lot of history behind that. And for you to just see it through your singular view. Uh, especially when you play a sport on a team that's you know seventy five percent black, and then the city you play in is is key to this. You're not talking about playing for the Phoenix Cardinals or Arizona Cardinals or in L.A. or in Seattle. You play for New Orleans. You know one of one of the metropolitan cities, major metropolitan cities that that's majority black and and is you know very known for is is black population, is black culture. And so you for you to show no empathy, for you to have no understanding or, or to seem to even care, um, that was disheartening. That was disheartening. Yeah, I mean in, in the military piece, we could talk all day about that, like the idea that, you know, the GI Bill existed and a lot of people like his grandfather probably came back to a hero's welcome. Um, while a lot of African-Americans came back and didn't have the same benefits extended to them, the right. loans that the yep. white soldiers were able to get, the banks just denied them. The education that the white soldiers were able to get, schools in the South still weren't letting black folks in. So a lot of the, you know, the the pageantry and the, the, the idea of soldiers being heroes was just something that wasn't extended to black people when they came back from the war. So even if they did fight for this country, our grandfathers, our ancestors still may not have looked at the flag the same way. Um, it's just different life experiences. Listen, I got a whole, I won't make it about myself, but I've got my own set of life experiences that made me grow up not necessarily feeling like the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem were, they just, they weren't things in my life that, that 
caused me to have all this pride. It's just, it's just not right. my life experience. Um, and then that's to say nothing to somebody who does, who it does evoke that pride for. But the fact of the matter is like, I can hear that from you and say, that's great. And you should be able to hear something different from me and say, oh, wow, I understand. It, it really just doesn't seem that complicated of an issue uh, to grasp. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, the doubling down is what really got me the fact that he just kind of reiterated, reiterated what he said and that he just never once acknowledged the plight of, of what Kaepernick was protesting for. To, that, to me, that was most frustrating. So, you know, there was a lot of people, including, a, you know, a couple of the Saints teammates who came out against Breeze very harshly. But before we get to that, I want to just talk about the apology because he came out and apologized. Two apologies. Um, Two apologies, right? Yeah, just one probably about an hour ago, two hours yeah, ago. Yeah, that he filmed, uh, you know. Right. And put it Which was weird because it cut off in the middle. So I'm like, did nobody tell you you got to do the IGTV to get the longer? <laughs> you only get 59 seconds on the Instagram video. Like, who is advising you right now? I need you to get some people in your life. You need a new PRT. You need yeah. a new PRT. So, so you know, it, it's been a lot of talk, right? Everybody came out. The new cycle today was all, you know, bash and breeze. But, you know, he made the apology. And so first, now first thing in the morning. So first thing in the morning, right. the news cycle. Exactly. And so, you know, in New Orleans, you got, you know, we're big Saints fans. Drew has been at the helm of the, the greatest run in, in Saints in New Orleans sports franchise history. And so you got a lot of people who, who love Drew, who were, felt disrespected. I mean, yesterday, by the end of the day, everybody was done with him. And, and now I'm starting to, you there know, were chance of F Drew Breeze during yes. some of the protests, which is wild. Yes, which is wild. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. When I looked at the people protesting, I was like, "Y'all don't look like y'all watch football anyway." But that's fine. Go ahead, <laughs> do what y'all want. And I mean, look, we've talked about it on and off the pod. Like Drew probably can run for mayor, governor, you know, some some office in in Louisiana and win handedly. So, you know, this is this is a fan base that loves him, and, and Kyle, they were done with him by the end of last night, and then after the. Apology. People are like, ah, oh, you know, you can change. I, I forgive him. Uh, and, and so, so my question to you, Rob, is: Do you accept the apology? Listen, um, I'm not. You know, the idea of cancel culture is not something that I'm a big fan of. I think I've used the phrase with you off the pod. Corrective culture is what I'm a bigger fan of. Um, but here's the thing: apologies. That's words. It's change behavior. Right. Like show me that you understand and show me how you understand. Like I need to be able to see you doing something that and it, honestly, like just showing up at a, 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 a rally with a sign won't quite be what I'm talking about. I'm just right. saying that over time you appear in places and spaces where you sit and you listen, understand like Alvin Kamara today or tonight I actually put out a tweet with just a long story. And it just reminded me a lot of what we talked about on the last pod where I was talking about early experiences as a seven-year-old. And I have stories beyond that. Like I could tell all the stories. I remember getting pulled over one time, like three times in like 10 hours. They had me thinking I was in the game. I was like, yo, what, what scanner am I coming up on? Is my license plate on for y'all to pull me over this many times and like twice at night and then once in the morning. Um, and so just that, you know, the, the, tech, the, the Twitter stream from him, the thread, just details that life experience. It's not even just the idea isolated of police brutality. It's just the overall experience of being a black man and being considered a threat. And, you know, in his apology, he says something about he can be a leader in this movement. And it's like, no, you still are missing something. You are not going to lead this movement. 
this is a movement where you will need to follow. Yep. Well, you'll need to get in the back. Not a doubt. Listen to what people got to say and then do what they ask you to do to support them. It's really not that complicated. This is not one where you're going to be in the front line leading the chant. You may lend your name and your face to things, but you're not leading this movement. Just listen. And um, so for me, you know, accepting the apology, I can use the words just like you can say sorry. I can say I accept. But we're going to know if you really mean it based on your behavior. And then you'll probably know whether or not I really accept it based on my reaction to your behavior. No, I do not accept. And I don't want your sad ass apology, Drew. Don't. I'm done. Finished. Cancel Christmas. Listen. Listen. This is how I feel, right? The shit sounded good. You know, Drew Drew making $40 million a year. I'm sure he had somebody write him a great apology. And, and it sounded Listen, great. It, it read with great. all that money, it should have, it, it could have, I, I could have written something better than that, right? <laughs> It sounded it sounded great, but a don't tell a half a mil. I would have had you accepting the apology. <laughs> don't tell me at forty two years old that after you 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 know talked about twenty sixteen about cap dogged them up, made your teammates feel like if they even thought about it they'd be sent out of New Orleans. Then you know a couple deal yesterday you doubled down on the shit, and so. All of a sudden, some way, the, the, how strongly you felt for the last four years and, and the rest of in the whole life, uh, according to your own words, based on your 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 grandfather serving in this military and, and you respecting the flag and the freedom it provides, you supposed to get it today. So forty two years of the shit you didn't get, and now one day you got it all. I, I can't believe that. I can't believe that, Drew. I'm sorry. Now you know. Listen, I want to put this out there because I, I had a couple conversations with people today. Do I think he's a racist? No, I don't think he's a racist. He's done great things, but I don't think, you know, keep pointing to the fact that he donated $5 million to, to the food bank for underprivileged children. That That's just doing humane things, but that doesn't mean you truly understand the plight of what African-Americans, black people have been going through uh, in this country, the oppression, the police brutality, all the things that, that you know, these players, these, you know, People in the streets are protesting for um, after after multiple deaths um, at the hands of the police. So, no, I, I don't accept. I don't accept, at least not now. You know, maybe sometime. But today, I'm still like, you know, F Drew Brees right now. You know, I'm still in that mindset. And I, I and I think eventually, you know, we'll all, you know, the, the new the new cycle will pass and, and you'll be like, all right, you know, he's a good dude. I, I think, you know, I can. I can forgive, but you'll never forget. You can never forget what he said and how he said it and how emphatic he was. And, and the, um, the omittance of the, you know, the acknowledgement of why uh, black people, white people, everybody really, you know, uh, Kaepernick, Jenkins, all these guys were, were protesting it. So, no, I, right now, I don't accept He took a knee, right? Like it wasn't during the anthem. He did it before, but it's just yeah. kind of like, well- you took a knee. So what were you taking the knee for? Because you right. don't seem to get it. Right. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's unacceptable to me for him to say what he said. And, and, you know, based on his teammates, you know, based on the city he lives in, like I mentioned, you know, that, like to me, that's, if you don't get it now, like that, that's just, that's frustrating to me. And so in saying that, let, let's talk a little bit about his teammates Malcolm Jenkins came out. Michael Thomas came out. 
uh, Alvin Kamara and Emmanuel Sanders unfollowed him. Uh, you know, I think a, a lot of people, you know, saw and watched Malcolm Jenkins, you know, uh, response, which was about four minutes long and ended with uh, Drew shut the fuck up. And so that kind of made waves. And, and, and I, I kind of feel feel Malcolm Jenkins on that. But uh, what, what was your thoughts took on that, that one down and then he replaced it with another one equally as passionate, but without that ending. Um, you know, I, I think that everybody felt the need to be corrective in their own way, but it was interesting to me to kind of see the breakdown. Like you kind of understand personalities, you kind of see people who are leaders on the team and then age range too. Um, I think that it was Cam Jordan initially was kind of like, I'm not like, you're not going to turn me against my quarterback without me knowing the full context. And then I think, so he, he bought himself some time, probably smart. Right. right and so right. Like he, when he saw the fullness of it, he was like, yeah, it was problematic, blah, 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 blah. Davenport, the rookie, not played too many games, kind of jumped to his defense when, uh, um, yeah, he tried when, to stay on the team. Yeah, when Cam Jordan he played too many games the last two years. When Cam Jordan saw what Davenport tweeted, he responded to the tweet with like, "This ain't it, youngin." Like something to that effect. Like you about to be on the wrong side of history, sort of thing. Um, you know, Sanders didn't say much. Obviously, I think he just tweeted, tweeted SMH. Like he hasn't even been with the team yet. Right, right. Thomas, I think the person who probably relies on Drew the most, so probably the person who would be spending like kind of a lot of time with them after practice and stuff. I think he he was probably one of the more vocal uh, people. And then you got like Oops from Kamara again, a young guy who's just kind of like probably trying to find his way in, in terms of a leadership role. But Malcolm Jenkins is the head of the Players Coalition. You know, a guy who uh, has taken on the role of promoting this cause league-wide um, and nationwide on behalf of the league. So I think there's that's the reason that you would get the most vitriol in his response because you have somebody who probably feels like he's on my team and he's made probably the most problematic statement uh, with regard to all of this that's been made yet. So now it's incumbent upon me you know, to kind of speak out about it. Um, I mean, I think you and I both talked off the pod about like what other options he would have had. Could he have called Drew in person? I mean, we don't really know the nature of their relationship. Malcolm Jenkins has been on the team for years. Um, and also sometimes I think that there's the idea that a very public statement, a very public and bold double down statement requires a very public rebuke. Yeah, yeah. And, and I get that. I get that. I, I just, you know, I, I, me and you talked a little bit about it, right? I, I don't, I, I get he was frustrated. I get where he was coming from. I just don't know if, like in, in Drew's instance, it was an interview that was posted. And so with, with Jenkins' response, it felt much more directly at Drew, which, which it was, and which it was meant to be. So I just wonder, and I heard, you know, I've read some stories where it said they had a conversation and that's why he kind of re, you know, took down the first uh posting it and put another one up but i just wonder if you make if you make that phone call to your teammate your brother before you come out with that but like you said here's a guy who hadn't been with drew last six years or so so it's a lot different than it would be for michael thomas or kamara and they're a lot they're a lot younger so the dynamics are, are different and so 
um, you know, I, so what I thought from it was, you know, I, I get his frustration, Jenkins. I agree with it. I, I thought he, he was right on point. I thought he hit all the points. Um, and then as I take a step back and look at it from a team perspective, all I'm going to say is I ain't betting on the Saints to win no Super Bowl. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, Mike and Mike in the morning were doing like the the same picks that they did like a month ago and, and people were reversing their pick. They're like locker room chemistry is uh, a real issue. And we've always talked about the Saints having great locker room chemistry. Shannon Sharp, who I thought did a great job covering the issue on FS1, said, I've been a locker and a leader in every locker room I've ever been in. And that is not something that you can fracture the way he did today. And then just expect, especially with COVID-19 and no real offseason workouts, expect to show up in September and everybody to feel the same way about you that they felt for the last 15 some odd years. So that's an interesting dynamic I wanted to talk about. So now you come back, with, which I think they're supposed to have a virtual training camp, according to, to Sean Payton, and you you get back into, you know, late, what, late July, I guess early August, mid-August. What is the feeling in that locker room? And and then I think about, you know, for the longest, Drew has not only been the leader on the field, he's been the leader to get the, the team ready to go to battle. You know, he's been the guy in the, the middle of the huddle, hyping the guys up um, and getting them ready to, to go to go win a game. And so when you look at those dynamics, how does this team look? Is Drew the leader? To be a leader, people got to want to follow you. And I don't know. Like I said, they might accept the apology, but they will never forget those words he said. And, and there's nothing you can, there's nothing, no apology that can take back what he said and, and get that that response from those players. Like you can't get that back. And so now are the players willing to follow him? What what does the, you know, the pregame chant look like? Who leads that now? Like, what does this team look? Is this a leaderless team? Yeah, I mean, I'll say that CNN, Demario Davis was on there this morning kind of speaking, I'm not going to say on behalf of Drew, but kind of speaking to the issue. I guess they had a meeting last night, team meeting. Uh, as I understand it, they already had a team Zoom planned. Um, and so Drew, I think, addressed the team there. It was interesting because Sean Payton was arguing with a guy named Shooter McGavin on Twitter. I don't know who this person is, but he made a fictional page. And so they were saying that this meeting was scheduled to address Drew Brees' issue. And Sean said that it had previously been scheduled, so it wasn't scheduled just to address Drew's issues. Rumor has it, some tears may have been shed, and he apologized to everybody. Um, So then this morning you had Demario Davis and then um, Malcolm Jenkins. I'm sorry, not Malcolm Jenkins. He did not say anything that I saw. But Mike Thomas said one of our brothers made a public statement that I disagree with. He apologized. I accept it. We're Christians. Um, And so that's what I was taught to do. Now back to the movement. Uh, Kamara said, I've had a day to digest the comments that Drew made. I was disappointed and hurt. We talked and I explained to him where he dropped the ball. He understood. Now it's time for us to be part of the solution, not the problem. We have to educate ourselves to the process. So, I mean, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people are saying the right things. I have not seen that Emmanuel Sanders said anything. Obviously, that's a little different. He ain't really been with the team. Malcolm Jenkins, I haven't seen what he said. But obviously, again, he's the leader of the Players Coalition. So he probably is not going to be as quick to publicly forgive Breeze because it may look um, like, you know, some weakness as to the issues on his part. So I don't think it'll ever be the same. And, and, And quite honestly, Breeze has... Probably we've already talked about one year left on the team. So 
you need to come together for a common goal for 18 or for 17 weeks and then hopefully plus the playoffs. I don't think that um, it's uncommon for locker rooms to not have every player love the other player's personal stance. Look, uh, the 49ers went to the Super Bowl and, and I can guarantee you uh, that everybody was not in love with the political views of, of their defensive end. Right. Uh, Bosa. So it's been done before. I think the issue here is just that it's Drew Brees, it's the quarterback. And like you said, he leads the chance and probably a lot of the meetings and different things like that. So, I mean, this falls squarely on the shoulders of Sean Payton. Listen, I'm a Florida State fan. There's always a quarterback in the locker room we can go with if things fall apart. <laughs> you know, free Jameis. Let the famous Jameis. Jameis. Let Boo. him go. Let him go. I'm ready to, I'm ready to roll with him. 5,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, baby. Drew, go take them NBC takes over there. <laughs> Call them Notre Dame games. Uh, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I just, I think it's a fractured locker room. I don't think they, I don't think they can come back from this. I think the narrative all year is going to be, you know, the, the, the pulse of the locker room. We're after every loss, you know, it's going to always go back to this story. And I, I, I hate to see that be the narrative um, to what was was expected to be a great season. But, you know, that's what you say. And like you said, there's many teams, you know, you got 53 dudes in the locker room. It's going to be so many different opinions. Um, But the fact that Drew stated publicly, like you can't take that back. People can think that you think that way. But until you state it publicly, there's always a, you know, a doubt. And and by him saying it publicly, that. That's the end of it. We know where you stand, and now you know where all the all the other guys stand. And so, it's gonna be—I don't know—I think it's gonna be a rough season, and don't you know help starting with Tampa week one. But um, and the last time you said it, you still took a knee, and it wasn't so close in time to right after some deaths had occurred, and so right. um, it was just there was you had the opportunity to 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 kind of mend fences back then. Now. I don't really see him getting that substantial opportunity to bring everybody together. I mean, he could show up week one and take a knee during the anthem, but I think he's doubled down to where he can't do that. And even if he did, I think most people would think it was fake. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so speaking of that, okay, we, we talked a little bit about the Saints. I want to talk about broader NFL. And I kind of want to call you out on something. So bring, you know, Cap talk, Cap took the knee, right? So he, he started the movement. Then he, they formed the Players Coalition. Malcolm Jenkins, who's now a Saint. You know, he didn't he never took a knee, but he raised his fist. And the the divisiveness that started, that separated that that players coalition, or, or pretty much separated Jenkins, Bolden, and the rest of the guys on, on the players coalition from Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed was the decision to to take, I believe it was $89 million from the NFL and, and the owners. And Kaepernick's big take was I don't want to take this some money just so we'll stop, you know, protesting during the anthem. And Jenkins was like, listen, we want to help make social change, uh, impact social justice. We can do that with this money. And and Jenkins was willing to stop protesting, stop putting his fist in the air. Some of the players top sticking knees uh, in, in, you know, exchange for accepting the money. And, and that's kind of where, as far as I'm concerned, the divisiveness started with those two groups. So now we look at it. Four years later, okay, and, and, and Jenkins' point, I think a lot of point, I think your point too, Rob, was what is Cap kneeling for? Like, not what is he kneeling for, but but when will he stop kneeling? Like, what's the point? W- what are you trying to gain out of this? And, and and I think it was, you know, to continue to cause 
um to continue to to showcase the the injustices that were that were happening to to black folks and i think he was willing like we mentioned on the last part to, to need his whole career you know to help try to move the needle and, and jenkins felt like the money was the way to go and so now we look at fast forward four years jenkins got the money stopped protesting so now where do you go Okay, you got the George Floyd incident. You got the the um, Ahmaud Aubrey incident, and now you got your own teammate and Drew, you know, doubling down on the protesting. So, if you're Jenkins, if you're the Players Coalition uh, members, if you're black players in the NFL, can you can you protest this year? Because you already stopped protesting, so you still got the money. So now, can you? Can you protest? Because the because the owners don't want you to protest. They it's bad for business. So now it's it's convoluted, right? So so, uh, and as a person who uh, was was the, not against cap, I don't want to paint the picture like that. But but kind of you know you just didn't understand what was cap's end game. Where do you see this movement going? How do you see you know Jenkins, the Players Coalition, moving forward? Well, so there's players still currently protesting in the NFL, like Albert Wilson, who plays for the Dolphins, Kenny Stills. There were still guys. Yeah, they were still in the And And so my issue kind of with Colin Kaepernick, I just, I feel like everybody can be on the same page for what the movement is about, but have different ways of wanting to go about it. And I don't think that that, precl- that doesn't make that other person the enemy. And I felt like Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick at a certain point were kind of all in or all out. Like either you're on my side or if not, I don't even want to have anything to do with you. And if you recall, a lot of the issues with the Players Coalition was, according to the Players Coalition side, Colin Kaepernick said he didn't want to be involved with them and that essentially what they were going to do is what they were going to do, but his movement was going to be something separate and apart. Um, So I feel as though Here's my thing. Like you want to have some level of a unified front. We had Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. People can have different ways about going about creating solutions for the same issue, but you just don't want to fight publicly. Um, that's that's my philosophy on that. I think that you can take money and put it towards positive uses and still take your knee. I mean, people were still taking a knee. I think that next year we may see more players take a knee, but also I mean, I don't know. I sent you a tweet right before we started the podcast where about 10 players, you you know, Homer, and you wanted to point out that a lot of them were for LSU was Teron Matthew. Yes, they were. Jarvis Landry, so he count Juan Barkley, Odell Beckham. And there was a lot of like, now do you get it sort of thing. Um, I think you're going to see a ton of uh, activity from the NFL with regards to the money that, because I mean, on some level, there was all this money that was involved, but we didn't necessarily know how it was allocated. And there was a lot of insults being hurled, I think maybe Jay-Z's way with regard to like the halftime show and whether or not that was where some of the money was going. But I think that, you know, you'll probably see more commercial spots. I think you're going to see more players protesting. I think generally speaking, you're just going to see more activity. Um, I don't, I was never of the opinion that Cap needed to stop kneeling. I think that the idea was what else? And so if they're offering money to help with the cause, the question, I guess, is whether or not the money was connected to not kneeling anymore. I would say that it's not because obviously people are still doing it. Um, I think that it was a lot of it was this concept of it kind of being his movement and he was going to do his thing his way and going to basically they could do whatever they were going to do but it was going to be separate and apart from what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I always thought the, the players coalition was kind of formed because of the movement started by Cap. And, and I thought that he should have been kind of the lead. But, you know, whenever you get multiple people, everybody has different agendas. And so, you know, I, I think once people kind of start, you know, making factions, creating factions, then that's when you start getting different opinions. And and I think um and Cap I, was I, always gonna have a little bit of a different issue because by that point he wasn't on a team. So right. forming this coalition and he's concerned that he's not gonna get on the team. And so at that point you're considering potentially suing the lead if you league if you feel like you're being blackballed and they're trying to form a coalition that works with the league. So that was always gonna be, you know, kind of a, a problematic uh re- resolution. Yeah, yeah, and I think right, and I think, like you said, it, it was Jenkins and, and those guys were trying to work with the ownership, and I think at that point, it kind of, Kaepernick kind of felt, and and I think the media started portraying it was like Kaepernick against the NFL versus the NFL, and so it got to a certain point where I don't think either side really wanted to cooperate at all, and and then the blackballing situation started to be put out there, and so then I think, I think it just got personal with those two sides, but um. But I, I I do think part of the reason we are seeing uh, the amount of coverage and activity one one is because COVID and everybody's home. But I, I think too the fact that you are seeing these NFL players make the video, like you mentioned, the fact that Roger Goodell had to come out and make a statement on NFL's behalf. You know, the fact that you have so many different people speaking up about it. I, I think Kaepernick deserves credit. Not to to because he pointed out, you know, police brutality, because like you said, we've all experienced we're in our 30s and we've experienced since we were children. So I think it's things that we all knew. But, you know, he was willing to risk his status um, and use his platform. It was it was a big enough platform for, you know, a larger audience to hear it. And he did what what most guys in his position wouldn't do. And that's, you know put their career on the line, millions of dollars on the line. I mean, he wasn't on track to be the best quarterback in the league, but he had been to Super Bowl. He was a starter in the league. So he had potential to make, you know, 20 to 30, 40 million dollars more than than what he made. And so I, I think that's where I, I, I credit him for, you know, starting that movement and, and making it uncomfortable for people to put it on people's minds. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. We've had our debates about where Colin Kaepernick's career was headed, whether he was on the way out or, you know, was he in his prime? At the end of the day, I think because we talk about this all the time, this is a whole side conversation with the the career span of the black quarterback. But I think he probably would have gotten at least one more, at least one more opportunity yeah, had he never taken a knee. Somebody would have brought him in to camp that following season. The idea that, and I give him a hard time about this Ravens situation, but the fact of the matter was the Ravens were his only opportunity and he probably would have had, uh, I would put money that he would have had more than just the Ravens knocking at his door, despite what had just happened in San Francisco, had he um not taking any. And the fact of the matter is he had another year left in San Francisco. Um, and so there's a good chance that San Francisco just wouldn't have cut him. Additionally, the year before the Broncos, John Elway tried to trade for him, but no longer wanted to make the trade after he started taking a knee. Right. 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 Yeah. So I, I definitely think he had more career left. Um, but at this point, I feel like, you know, and I've said this multiple times too, 
it behooves him to not be on a team. Like I, I don't think yeah, okay. I, I do think that whole workout thing was 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 crazy and all that. But you know, his his impact is more significant if he never takes a snap in, in the NFL. Right. And it's another crazy. Snap. This is another aside, but it's crazy that um Mahmoud Abdul Chris Jackson took a similar stand <laughs> yeah. uh, back in the day. And it's just like this man never got his just due uh for that that similar stand. Yeah, and I find it funny, like so many NBA players, LeBron came out against Breeze, but you know, it's a fact now that the NBA has in their uh you know operations man, your yeah, players man. They just made y'all like they did right, the same like, thing. You have to stand. <laughs> right. And and that's right. based off the Mahmoud Abdul Roof. So I, I find it funny that as progressive as we think the NBA is and, and the players are more outspoken, they have a rule that doesn't even allow them, and, and none of the players are even challenging them, right? Because what if LeBron decides to take a knee? Then right. they have one hell of an issue. And yeah, so, and Adams, like, because I feel like Adam Silver and some of those NBA owners would probably at this point be more inclined to to give on that issue. Right. But, um, right. but I, I guarantee you we'll probably see a whole bunch of things this this sports season that we wouldn't have expected. And, you know, it's going to come soon because basketball is coming back in July. Right. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to make this all about Breeze because there was a couple of other incidents that came out. And so there were many violators in the last 72 hours. <laughs> exactly. And I think it needs to be pointed out because I think. Yeah, it's, don't, don't just rag on our boy. There's right. dirt in everybody's front yard. All right. Everybody got skeletons in the closet. Listen, it's and I, and I think it's it's just like in sports, it's an issue. And, and I don't think people think about it as much because a lot of these sports are, are predominantly black, you know, basketball, football. Are predominantly black sports um, in terms of the percentage of, of players on the team, and so I think people just assume that yeah these guys get along, you know they they understand and all that. But there's a lot of you know people who are in these sports and don't empathize, don't understand, don't comprehend the magnitude of what's going on out here. And, and I think that's a microcosm for the country and for the life, you know, just for life in general. And so I wanted to highlight those: Jake Fromm, rookie quarterback for the Buffalo Bills played at the University of Georgia, a tweet from a year ago just came out where he texted a friend, guns should be legal. They should just be so expensive. Only elite white people can buy them. Uh, so he came out, what he had friend, to apologize. What friend was he texting and exposed his ass? <laughs> <laughs> let's, give a, let's give a round of applause for the you friend know, who decided you know. to expose racism this week. <laughs> he's been sitting on that text message well through the draft and everything. I want to know how much TMZ cut that check for. That's what I want to know. Exactly. Uh, and then we also had um, a Clemson, a former Clemson player, call out. Um, Tell the a truth. Coach. The same with that one now. Yeah, a coach, uh, Perryman. Um, it's his first name escapes me at the Something moment. Something with the D. It was Denny. Yeah. I think Denny Perryman. Maybe? Denny Perryman. Um, and he called. He used the N word in correcting a player. It was it was said that the the player, you know, he was using it to a teammate, and and the coach was correcting him on something he was doing wrong, and used the N word back. And so it was also noted that Dabo Sweeney heard this and didn't say anything. And just about a, seventeen. So this is three years two, ago, right? Three years ago, right? This his is name, in, a, in a Danny Pierman is his name. Danny Pierman, and this is happening in the prime of the Clemson revival. You know, the national power, and you know. Dabo Sweeney presents himself as a God-fearing, you know, a father-like figure to all his players, a, a welcoming, you know, organization and team that embraces everybody's race, creed, religion, you know, it doesn't matter. And so for him to not correct or, or you know, reprimand that coach at all and not defend his player, that 
you know, that that sheds a different light on how you really are when the cameras aren't on. And in these in these different situations with Fromm, with with Dabble Sweeney, an assistant coach, it just sheds a little bit of light on you can portray, you know, the the face you need to portray in public. But when the cameras are not on, when nobody's watching, how are you acting? And that's the true definition of, of character. And let me just read what the player said. He said it was a heated argument during practice. Basically, me and the coach got into it and I was speaking to one of my teammates. He heard me use the N word basically and basically tried to correct me by saying the N word back. So let's not confuse this with, you know, he was instructing him not to use it. That's not what right. the player no, yeah, That's not what the player is saying. Like he's saying that like he tried to use my slang in a sentence back to me. The coach apologized, says, three years ago on the practice field, I made a grave mistake involving DJ Greenlee. I repeated a racial slur I overheard when trying to stop the word from being used in the practice field. What I overheard, I had no right to repeat. So, you know, he claimed that he was trying to stop it. That's not what the player said. So, and we're going to get to Mike Norvell in a second, but there's a lot of this, uh, you know, word usage going around where people are trying to protect themselves, keep their jobs, quite frankly, um, with classifications of what they meant and how they said stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also had Mike Norvell, right? Rob's coach now down in Florida State. Say that he, you know, individually texted all his players to to check in on, on you know, the protests and how they were feeling about the George Floyd situation. And the, the best player on the team, Marvin Wilson, uh, projected to be a top 15, you know, first round draft pick next year, called him out, said that, you know, he, he sent a group text to all the players that was that was very generic and that they weren't working out, uh, you know, until they cleared the air. And so, you know, coach came out and apologized, say, you know, he, he might have misconstrued his words a little bit. And he did send out, you know, texts to different groups of players. But uh, he responded, you know, individually to some or whatnot. So, you know, he apologized for the misunderstanding and, and out of it, Marvin Wilson you know, became kind of the spokesman of the team and really set path on uh, some changes that that the Florida State players were going to make, um, highlighting some things they want to do. They want to, you know, increase awareness in the community about voting. Every player is going to be registered to be a voter and, and vote in you know, all the elections this year. And, and they want to also, you know, educate the community and, and the rest of the campus on, you know, being voters. And, I think he also said all the um, players are going to volunteer in the community, especially yeah. lower income community and try to work in the the school system there. He said there was a lot of uh, schools operating with students underneath the poverty line. And then the third thing was getting more African-Americans to go to college in general. Yeah. So, you know, so I think just- Mike Norvell's point was that he essentially did a cut and paste job and then sent it to the players. And he said that some decided to respond back and thus he considered those to be individual conversations. And he said others elected not to respond. Thus those were not individual conversations. So he apologized and said he shouldn't have said that he spoke to every player individually because I guess some of them didn't respond. Thus it's not an individual conversation. Yep. So, you know, that happened. And then also Vic Fangio, head coach of the Denver Broncos came out yesterday and said that they're, you know, he doesn't see racism at all in the NFL. And I, I don't think it was six hours before he was issuing an apology. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have a Rooney rule in the NFL, sir. Like, right. they were right. just 
threaten. They were just talking about the idea of giving draft picks in exchange for hiring black folks. That's like, are you kidding me? You don't think that this? But anyway, yeah. I mean, I think the I think the moral of the story is, folks, when you choose to express yourself, like maybe you should talk to some people around you and and you know get a consensus educate consensus yourself. try to educate yourself and understand the issue before you just say me what is my perspective what do i think like maybe you should talk to the people who are actually impacted by these issues and and then the other side of it is like just don't be racist you know right don't right. don't say that only white people should have guns don't call your player the n word you know right. those rule, those are yeah. some basic things that you could do to stay out of trouble right rule rule number 1 1a 1b and and i think it's just like you know, trying to understand, like you said, just from a me perspective, just because you don't experience it, you don't feel it, you don't see it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I mean, obviously it exists. And so to say these things emphatically, it just it just really makes you look, you know, ignorant and just uneducated on on something that, you know, more people than probably the majority of his locker room is either facing or have kids that have faced it or family members that have faced it. So it's just it's just insensitive, you know. Um but that's it. We just want to come on and talk about that. It was some hot topics. Last thing, Rob, as we go, you know, where do you see this movement going? I mean, we, we've had, you know, we mentioned it, right? We've had the Trayvon Martins. We've had the Eric Gardner's, the Michael Browns, not the George Floyd, the, the Ahmaud Arbery's. Why is this George Floyd incident kind of the straw that breaks the camel back? Do you think this is the one that creates a movement that, that it stays in the news cycle longer than a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think I said on the last pod that most people don't see people lose their life on film. And in particular, to watch somebody lose their life over nine minutes and just watch the life leave their body is and, and watch the words go from, you know, I can't breathe to calling for the mother to the eyes starting to roll back into his head to them checking for the pulse and still staying there the whole time. It's just gut wrenching. Like that specific incident, I think is just factually one of the worst things that we've seen on video when it, when you come, when it comes to police brutality and specifically murders of unarmed African-Americans by law enforcement. So I think that's part of it. Obviously, like we said, COVID, I think is part of it. I mean, I would hope that this leads to some, you know, particularized change. I think there's a lot of easy, low hanging stuff that can be done quickly. Like, you know, standardized use of force techniques and training across the board that are, you know, when you go to war, right? Like there's UN treaties and whatnot, like there's things that you can and can't do when you go to war. Um, I think that it's not unreasonable for there to be standards for law enforcement across the board of things that they can and can't do. I don't think that that's too cumbersome or mean or, or speaking negatively of good police officers. It's just standardizing. It's It seems like a, a fairly reasonable thing to do. Um, independent monitoring, independent, you know, prosecution teams, like maybe having state's attorney general's office be assigned to investigate these cases as opposed to the local DA's offices. Because I think as I've explained to you, like that's just a difficult dynamic to have to work with people and also potentially at any time be assigned to prosecute them. And sometimes they don't even lose their job and now you're back working with the people that you prosecuted. So I think there's some basic stuff like that that can be done. And I think if Everybody can get on the same page to um, push those agendas. That's low hanging fruit. That stuff can be done. And and we'd look back and 
long term be able to say that there was some impact from all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope, you know, I work in education, so I'm hoping at some point you can start incorporating a lot of, you know, black history in, in uh, education as well. And I think, you know, creating understanding and, and teaching children from a young age what, you know, blacks went through in this country and just creating or, or educating kids to, to show them like the struggles that have happened and how we were treated wrong and like having that dialogue early. Cause a lot of times that's things you don't talk about in school. You, you talk like, just don't talk about that. You know, don't talk about slavery. Don't talk about oppression. Um, right. so you gloss over happy. slavery and then you right. gloss over the civil rights movement, but like all the individual things, like even just talking about how the GI bill was effect, uh, essentially right. ineffective for African-Americans is just another piece of history, redlining another. There's just so many little things yeah. that aren't in your history books. And I went to Morehouse, I minded in history. And so I learned all this stuff then. And I was just amazed because, you know, we went to one of the best high schools in the state and it wasn't anywhere in the curriculum. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, we'll leave it there. Uh, want to jump on it because it was a hot topic. You know, hopefully we got some some stuff to talk about, you know, in the sports world next week. But I think it was just, you know, just the comments this week that the George Floyd incident last week and just things, you know, just we got to got to discuss because uh, it's important. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about sense. that uh, 22 round 22 team round robin tournament. Yes, uh, yes. On yeah, we'll we'll get all the details and we'll we'll discuss it on pod. So, um, that's all we got. Robin, anything right. before we out? Nah, we out of here. Hey. I still express, yo, I don't smoke weed or sex. Cause it's known to give a brother brain damage. And brain damage on the mic don't manage nothing. But making a sucker and you equal. Don't be another sequel. Spread yourself.